Okay. Hopefully this is all right. Nah, nah, you're good. You're good. How many dogs you got? One dog, one cat. My dog is older though. Well, the cat is too, but the dog is 13 and a half and yeah. she's got a bunch of health issues. I mean, she 13 and a half is a long time for a big dog. She's a big dog. She weighs like 70 pounds. So, um, yeah, she was, I had to take her to the vet earlier. She's been a little sick, but, um, can I give her some antibiotics? Do you have animals? I, yeah, I got three chihuahuas. Whoa. Okay. So you have little dogs. Yeah. Well, I have a teenager and uh, my teenager likes the small dogs yeah. uh, married. And then my youngest child, my little daughter, Charlotte, she, uh, she loves the little animals. So Aww. yeah, I did have three. Then I had to get rid of one. The one that I got rid of was actually mine. And Aww. he, he ended up getting in a serious fight with his dad, the smaller dog. And oh, no. they ended up having, they ended up having to remove his eyes. So <gasps> I had to get rid of him. Yeah, I had to get oh. I had to get rid of my dog. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! I thought dogs could adjust if they were blind. No. Oh no, the dog's cool, but I'm saying the dog that bit the guy that lost oh, the dog oh, that oh. lost his eye. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Luckily, we found a good home for him. You know. Um, yeah. It was just unfortunate because that dog meant a lot to me. And they're like, "You want to go see the dog?" I'm like, "Absolutely not! I can't do it to myself." Oh yeah. I mean, we I get so attached. I don't. They're like family members, so absolutely, they're basically yeah. your children. Yes. So she is, um, I've had her since she was two and a half. So I've had her for 11 years. And um, yeah, she's, I mean, I tell my mom all the time, don't you worry, mom, I'm practicing taking care of a senior in case you ever need it. (laughs) But they are a lot. Yeah. In all actuality, you're not, you know, you're telling the truth when it comes to that in some respect. (laughs) Uh, I know your football, your podcast is football. Is there anything else that? um... Oh, life in general. So the the one thing, yeah. So the one thing that I do, is my, I got a football page that's real, fairly does well on Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. like 19.4 thousand followers and Good. over 16 and a half thousand likes. Everything's been organic, never done Facebook ads. I've done it all on my own, just with a cell okay. phone. And then I'm not afraid to talk. So I figured, you know, about a year <laughs> and a half ago, why not start a podcast? And yeah. um, so what I do with that, I don't label that just for football or sports. That's why I call it conversations with Corey. So that way oh, gotcha. you get what I'm saying. Like that way you yeah. can talk more about something, just sports, because life is more than just, you know, sports is more than you, you get what I'm trying to say. Yes, 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 absolutely. And it allows me to interact with people on, you know, from different genres and different platforms, because mm-hmm. um, you got to be chameleon. You got to be able to do more than just one thing. So that's, yes, absolutely. that's the way that I do it. So how did you get in, uh, involved in radio, Amy? I actually fell in love with radio play-by-play when I was 16 years old. And yeah. we lived out in the boonies in Concord, New Hampshire. That's where I grew up. And the only way I could follow my beloved Boston Celtics was to listen on the radio because we didn't have cable TV out where we lived in the woods. So yeah. for years, I would listen to the Celtics on their play-by-play network. And then I would also listen to Westwood One with football and other sports on radio as well. And I really became a radio junkie because I fell in love with the idea that an announcer could describe the action and tell stories in such a way that the listeners did not feel like they were missing anything simply because they could not see with their own eyes. And so that really was the start of radio dreams that I've been a radio junkie ever since still pursuing those same dreams. Yeah. So ever since you were 16, that means, uh, that means you take it serious and that means you believe in yourself to stick with something <laughs> as long as you have. 
Now, I do listen to you every morning while I'm at work because I usually get up as early as one o'clock to start my day. Whoa. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Perks of being a truck driver. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Well, I know there are millions of truck drivers on the road because when I drive at night, uh, you all are everywhere. There's not just in big cities, but out on the open highways too. So I'm yeah. grateful for all the people who listen while they're driving at night. You always tend at least once a week when I listen, I always hear you say things about how you've been fired three separate times in the process <laughs> getting to where you are now talk us and walk us through that and um the unfortunates that you went through did you have any doubts of why you still do it or are you still going to continue to do it did you start having doubts within yourself when you were getting fired I wouldn't say doubts about me Corey yeah. I would say doubts about whether or not that was it and I wasn't going to be able to find another job so for sure uh, the first time I got fired I was in the Oklahoma City market and I was working for a startup station little teeny thousand watt station that didn't reach out of the parking lot at night but it was my first opportunity to host a talk show on commercial radio and it was all new for the state and the listeners as well because I was the first woman ever to host a radio show mm. in the sports genre in the state of Oklahoma and this was 20 years ago we're not talking about 50 years ago, right? And so it was all new for them. It was new for me. I had a volunteer producer. I wasn't ready. I'll just tell you right now, I'm really happy that there aren't any uh, tapes or digital recordings of those <laughs> days. Right. And and I made a fair number of mistakes and I, I it was trial by fire. I figured yeah. out pretty quickly that if you talked about Oklahoma sports or OU Texas or football uh, at any point in the season, I learned very quickly that there are actually four seasons to the year. You've got the football season itself, which is the lifeblood of Oklahoma and Texas and many other places. Uh, obviously the Bible belt, it, it's synonymous with college football. So there's the season, then there's recruiting and, and yeah. signing day. Then you've got spring football and then you've got two a days and training camp. I learned pretty quickly. Those were the four seasons of the year. And so I would throw topics out there. And very often the only thing that stuck was football and basketball too, for a while when I was working there, I worked one year and the OU Sooners went to the final four as well. That was when Calvin Sampson was the head coach of Oklahoma. And so there was a lot to talk about. Bob Stoops was the head coach of the football team, the Bedlam rivalry with OU and Oklahoma. Yep. State. And so I learned, but there was no one to teach me. And I imagine it was terrible, but also uh, it was a little bitty station that was trying to make a mark. And ultimately the boss decided that having a female talk about sports was not the way he wanted to go. So on my one year anniversary, I was going in for my evaluation and was prepared to ask for a raise and got fired on the spot, maybe a five minute, five minute meeting tops. Congratulations. And that was devastating. I remember leaving there. Right. And I had already planned to cover an event on the campus of Oklahoma. Mm. And I didn't really know what else to do. I knew if I went home, I would be a basket case. And so I went ahead and I covered the event. But I remember I called a friend of mine who worked for a TV station in the market. He had been really, he was the only one who befriended me. A lot of the men in that market wouldn't have anything to do with me. They they were intimidated or just, just didn't think that I belonged there because I was not only an outsider, but I was a female. Right. So he was one of the only people that would 
speak to me. And he said to me as I'm crying away and wondering about whether or not my career is over, he said, Amy, I've learned you haven't made it in this business until you've been fired at least twice. He mm. said, uh, the only reason, the only way this is the end of your career is if you choose to give up and stop now. And he talked about the adversity and how this would make me better and how it was uh, a mistake by that radio station to fire me and, and all of the things that you say as a friend. But what stuck with me, this piece of advice is, Amy, you haven't made it till you've been fired at least twice, meaning this is not the end. It's not going to be easy, but you keep going and you'll make something out of this career. So I had to piece it together for a bit. Uh, yeah. I ultimately moved back to New England and started working at a Providence radio station. And lo and behold, not even a uh, two years later, it happened again. Same exact situation. I was part of a morning show this time as opposed to doing a solo show, I was doing a show with an older gentleman who had been in the market for years. I wouldn't say we were a great fit, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, we put our whole selves into it. And the station, which I did not know, the station was preparing they were having financial issues, preparing to even uh, whether go under or they were really struggling. And so they were paying me almost nothing. And I was supposed to have a $5,000 raise kick in on my one year anniversary. Wouldn't you know, same thing, dressed up, got ready for a meeting, walked in two and a half minutes later, I was being walked out. Mm. And, and same kind of thing, no reason given, just we're going in a different direction. It was eerily similar. Um, and so once again, I was freaked out and I didn't know what to do. And New England is expensive. And I didn't know how I was going to pay my bills. It definitely is for sure. Yeah. I uh, always in radio to this point in my career had separate jobs. Uh, in fact, I have an accounting degree because radio didn't pay enough to, to support me. And so I continued working that job and then sent emails and sent tapes around wherever I could. And uh, a program director at ESPN radio saw me on the website before I got fired. And he was looking mm -hmm. to try out females who were in New England, didn't want to have to pay for them to travel. And, and so he, asked me if I would come over for a weekend audition, which I did. And while I did not get the job there in 2005, I ended up serving as one of their top fill-ins. And lo and behold, two, three years later, it became my full-time job. And I moved to Connecticut to be over at ESPN Radio. But the crazy thing is, not even nine months after I got fired by this Providence radio station, the whole operation flipped to a format in which they were syndicating another sports talk uh, station out of Boston. And so everyone got fired. So they actually did me a favor because right. they allowed me to get a head start on my job search. So yes. And then there was another time where there was a program director at ESPN radio that didn't like me, didn't love my work, very subjective, this business, and he stopped using me. So while I wasn't specifically fired when I didn't, when it didn't work, I didn't get paid. And so it was very similar to that. I got dropped from a rotation. So yeah, it's not easy. Um, I did wonder if at some point I should try to do something else. I was, as I say, yeah. working multiple jobs, I would do play by play on the side. But ultimately, even when I had doubts, I only always came back to this is what I was created to do. This is the only thing in my professional life that I know that I will be exceptional at. And it's where my heart is. It's where my passion is. I remember my mom said to me after I got fired the second time, how long are you going to pursue this dream with nothing to show for it? And she mm. wasn't harsh. No, she was she was, it was harsh at the time. It sounded No, harsh. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but good intentions. My mom was trying to ask me 
is it worth it for you to keep doing this? And I said to her, it didn't take me very long. Yes, yes, it's worth it. Yes, I'm going to pursue it because I know I'm going to make it. I know that I have the talents, the skills and abilities. I know that I have the mind, I have the heart. I know that I am willing to pour in blood, sweat and tears. There's no one who's going to outwork me. No one who's going to stick longer than me. And that was right about the time that I started working at ESPN radio and that took off. And, and so that was my first real stretch, my first uh, opportunity to work in network radio in 2005. And that's where I've been ever since. Obviously left ESPN radio at the end of 2012, made the jump to the new network that is now CBS Sports Radio. And 11 years later, we are still going strong. Right. You know, that's, you know, uh, hearing some of the things that you said in response to my question a few moments ago made me think about myself. You know, I, I tell myself that all the time. Like, the biggest support you could have is from yourself. Mm. Um, you have to believe in yourself in order for others to believe in yourself. Yes. Um, when you're passionate about something, it shows. I feel the same way. Like, I'm not going to quit. There's a reason that I'm still doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I keep pushing forward. Now, when you were talking about the the first time you got fired from Oklahoma, is that the only time other than those two times that you experienced issues being a female in what was then a male dominant profession? Now it's it's, it's still male dominated radio sports radio itself is still male dominated. I am still the only female who has her own show five nights a week on network radio uh, in the sports Mm. genre. There isn't anyone else. There are others who do shows with men. There are others who do shows a couple, maybe a weekends or a Sirius XM here and there. I am the only female who has her own show five nights a week on network radio um, and in, in this genre. And so it's still male dominated. And no, of course not. I went through all the same challenges that many of my female colleagues did, um, whether it be TV or radio. Very, yeah. very often we'll have similar stories when we compare notes. I don't choose to make a huge deal of it because I survived it. I don't ever want to go back to it. Uh, I recognize that there were things that I could have done differently. Ultimately, though, at that point in my career, I knew that if I made a stink, I would be the one who didn't work again. I would be the one who would mysteriously fade off into the the distance and and all of a sudden um, I would be the one who was out of work. And so I chose to keep those things to myself. Uh, mm-hmm. But yes, there was discrimination. There was sexual harassment. There were all types of, oh, nicknames that were used. There were men who were inappropriate. Yes, all of those things. But as I say, I chose to to handle it the way that I did was just to keep quiet. I'm, I'm not proud of all the choices that I made. I would say that it's hard when I talk to other young women about this, thankfully their experience won't be the same now uh, because it's it's come to light. But yeah, I, I tell them that there are probably things that I would have done differently. I would have separated myself from situations a lot more quickly. Uh, but I always, my number one goal was, well, my number one uh, concern was to never be in danger. And I, I carried mace with me and I was careful about being around other people and where I was and where I put myself. And so I never felt like I was in danger, um, yeah. but I, I definitely recognize that the industry has changed a lot now because the discrimination, the prejudice and the harassment were rampant 10, even um, I'm trying to think how long, I mean, 10, 10 years ago, still, it was still happening. Yeah. And it's, it's sad. And what makes it worse, one that it happened and one that it still happens and it shouldn't, but two, yes. what makes it the worst and this comes from men that have sisters, wives, daughters, I know, I moms, know. aunts, female yeah. cousins. It, it it just baffles me and blows my mind. I know it's aggravating because I like a, you know I got two. Uh, it sucks. It pisses me off. It, mm. 
Agreed. It's a sad thing. I, I tell people, you know, yeah. often when I, when I, you know, every now and then, like I say, it's, it's far less overt now, but every now and then I'll come across someone who will use an inappropriate word, or even as recently as when I started at CBS sports radio, I had one particular colleague, he's no longer there, but one colleague who insisted on using an extremely offensive word, no matter how many times I asked him, he, he didn't like me. So he just kept using it in the newsroom. And I was the only female in the newsroom and I had to make the choice. He, he wouldn't respect me. And I had to make the choice to go to my boss and say, Hey, can I wear headphones in the newsroom? Because I just, I can't hear this and work. And he, my boss said to me, you have to tell me it's, you have to tell me what's happening. It's company law or it's company rule. I have to report it. I begged him not to make me, um, but he did. And so I had to give up the employee's name. That employee got written up, told everyone in the entire newsroom, people treated me differently. I, I mean, all he had to do was stop using the word, but he refused to because so yeah, it's that kind of stuff too. I mean, that happened as recently as, as eight years ago. So there, there are still ways where we're not accepted in the business, but the good thing is Corey, I have already survived all of that. It's made me stronger. It's made me more determined. It it has done the opposite of what many of these men wanted to do, which is to chase Mm -hmm. me away. And I'm now higher up the food chain. So honestly, I don't care anymore. All you can do is laugh about it. <laughs> yes. What I care about now is is trying to coach other young women uh, in, in these situations and uh-huh. also young men too. There there are young male broadcasters that I hope I can share some of this wisdom with and, and, and to say this is what you don't do. But I would say today's athletes are far more conditioned to treat women equally because they know better, right? Like they, right. they've been For raised sure. in, a, in a situation now and in an atmosphere where you do not treat women differently. And so it doesn't happen. And honestly, it, it didn't ever happen, excuse me, as much in, in the locker rooms as it did in the newsrooms. Right. But at least it's not as overt anymore. And at least it doesn't bother me anymore. Well, that, that's good. It, it just, it, it's sad that it's still like that, unfortunately. And even when it's 2023, uh, the, the good thing is there is there is and has been progress in the effects of women in broadcasting and television <laughs> and sports, you know, yes. in general, you know, Aaron yes. Andrews constantly everywhere, Joy Taylor. And there's a lot. One thing I've noticed is a lot of female anchors slash announcers for like ACC network football and um, NBA TV on ESPN. There used to not be, but there is. So there has been progress. There should be more than there has been. But I guess at the end of the day, retrospectively speaking, there's it's better to have progress than no progress. Yes, but notice you're mentioning almost primarily women who are on TV. True. So yeah, radio is still not about what you look like. Although obviously with social media, people know what I look like, but it's not about what you look like. It's not about what you wear. It's not about being sexy or hot or blonde. It's about your intelligence and your ability to entertain. Uh, And that's why I've chosen to stay in radio. I have done some TV, not really interested Mm -hmm. in it. Don't love the camera. In fact, the camera freaks me out even when I'm doing YouTube videos with my producer. Um, Really? But yeah, no, I don't. I don't love being in front of the camera. Uh, But I will say this. I've done some TV for basketball games. You're not on camera very often, which is better. And what I love still is the fact that radio is a conversation. It has nothing to do with what I look like. That's true. That's true. That's a good, (laughs) that's a good way to look at it. That's a a good way to look at it. So I want to, I want to switch gears here, get into talking about a little bit of some NBA basketball. What's your thoughts on Draymond Green? I didn't get a chance to hear you speak on it, but for me personally, I want to say something and I'll let you go if that's okay with you. 
you. Of you course. know, Draymond's lucky to even still be there just because of what he did at Jordan Poole. You factor that, and then you factor in what he did at Sabonis. Now, granted, Sabonis did pull on his leg. It still doesn't excuse what Draymond, you know, did. At some point, do you think a team, no matter how much of an important, you know, part to the piece of the team puzzle that Draymond has been, do you think the Warriors are fed up with just the overall antics and the carry-on that Draymond Green has brought to them since the Jordan Poole incident? I honestly don't. I have a different perspective on this. First uh-huh. of all, think think about their last eight seasons. Uh, nine, True. if you count this one. Uh, the number of playoff runs, four championships, six NBA finals. But not just that. You listen to Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, Steph mm-hmm. Curry, and Steph as the, I don't even know if he's the official captain, but he is the team leader. If you listen to those three men talk about Draymond, do they admit that his emotion gets the best of him sometimes? Absolutely. They do. And Steve Kerr will even say he crossed the line when it came to the Jordan Poole situation uh the team was behind Jordan they were they were very quick to uh to criticize Draymond and also to say that this is you know this is not how we want to act as a team you may remember going back to the Kevin Durant final season in at Golden State they got into an altercation in the locker room and he was also suspended for I think a day or a couple days I'm not exactly sure how long he was away from the team then because of the angst that he created but by far by far the the worth of Draymond, not just his basketball skills, but his heart, his soul, his energy, his knowledge and his deep and, and the fact that he is the, the center cog in the wheel when it comes to defense. But he definitely spirit, is. His definitely intensity, is. his edge, his communication. Yeah. Steve Kerr said just this week that we would have no championship at Golden State if not for Draymond Green. He believes that. We, right. We would, have, we would have no rings here if not for Draymond. And you may remember that Steve Kerr handpicked Draymond to be the the centerpiece of this offense when he installed it. In fact, Harrison Barnes was, who's now with the Kings, was the centerpiece and was one of the up-and-coming starter or stars when Mark Jackson got let go. Steve Kerr comes in and he's asking Draymond Green to be the centerpiece. That's how much he believed in Draymond and still does. And I think they all recognize for sure that Dre's emotion can get the best of him, um, but that he is worth his weight in gold. And think about it as a family. My brother and I We'll get into some pretty loud screaming matches. We'll we're we're passionate Italian family, so we'll get into those kinds of scrap. When we were younger, we used to fight. Thankfully, we do not do that anymore because he's six five and much bigger than me. But. Right. <laughs> this is a family that spends months and months and months together all the time. It's impossible to never have situations where you're annoyed or you're frustrated. And then you think about how they have played on the road. They've won only 11 games on the road all season. And that includes these, this playoff series. That is true. The frustration is boiled over. And so I absolutely believe the team is committed to Draymond, loves Draymond. I think the fact that he is who he is means that you want him as a teammate. You can't stand playing against him. He's one of the best defenders in the league still, uh, even at, you know, in his mid thirties and he and Steph Curry have an otherworldly nonverbal communication. Their rapport on the court is incredible. Uh, along with Clay Thompson, but that's the core. And they don't have a chance to continue winning if not for Draymond. Can Steph Curry shoot the lights out? Sure. Can Clay Thompson? Yes. It's Draymond who runs the defense and who passes as a big man and who keeps them going. He's the one that gets in their faces when they're dogging it. So I don't believe at all that they're tired of him. I think, sure, would they rather have him than not? Uh, are the technical fouls a bit much? Do they wish that he would calm down? Steve Kerr said as much this week. When Draymond yeah. gets like 
that, there is no way that we can calm him down. We, there's no way for us to get him to breathe and to stop freaking out the way that he mm-hmm. is. Now, this particular incident, Corey, I actually don't agree that the punishment was levied the way that it should have. It, let's just say for the sake of argument that as Sabonis grabs Draymond's leg, Dray yeah. falls flat on the court and hits his head or falls onto his back or trips up and falls over DeMontis and falls on his face on the other side. The, the penalty for Sabonis then turns out to be much more than a technical foul. It probably turns out to be a flagrant one uh, at the same time. Dre's reputation, yeah, Dre's rep and his rap sheet preceded him. And the NBA said as much, the officials don't look at Draymond as they do every other player. And and in this particular case, I believe that they punished him harder than they should have. I I thought it should be a flagrant one on both sides. Either way, he did step on him. He gets the flagrant two. I thought the suspension again was over the top. Is James Harden going to get suspended because he got a flagrant too? Probably not. Uh, that just happened on Thursday night, right? That so, was crazy all in itself. When you right. when you bring that up, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, exactly. So the so the punishment's not being leveled levied equally, and also it's it's fairly certain that Draymond got got suspended because of the fact that he had had been a repeat offender. And so sure. yeah, I don't all of those things to say in the incident itself. I didn't think was worthy of a flagrant two. I thought each player should have a flagrant one. It, didn't we just see Joel Embiid give a crotch shot to Nick Claxton uh, the other night and he gets a flagrant Swiftly. one? He, right. He does not get ejected. I just didn't think I. it's more about who who it was. It was Draymond Green. That's why he got ejected. That's why. No, he got yeah, I, I, I agree. It's more or less his reputation with the refs. Yes. that uh, caused that. It definitely should have been uh, the same for both both sides. You know, when you were describing Draymond in those instances, it uh, reminds me a lot of Dennis Rodman. Yeah. yeah. Well, Dennis wasn't as skilled as Draymond. He was a great rebounder, yeah. but that was his number one skill. He obviously was a defender. He was very energetic. Draymond is a very skilled basketball player. If you ever watched him pass the ball, he's the reason why the Warriors can whip that it's ball true. around. Steph and Clay are moving without the ball. Dre is the one who's kind of keeping that ball moving, or Dre's position, right? They have other guys who can fill that position. Definitely, definitely. So I want to get into uh, some football before we get back into real life, before we end this great conversation. (laughs) What's your thoughts on the Lamar Jackson situation? The only reason why I ask is I actually, I do know, because like I said, I listen to you every day. I have to, I ask you this because I live in the city of Louisville. Do you feel Lamar has done himself a disservice by turning down those offers? You know, nobody really knew that the actual bigger offer they gave him until after the Jalen Hurts contract you know from the eagles it's like that's crazy when you look at it so the whole time everybody's out here thinking he only got the three years 133 million which is an insane amount you know to me i look at it like if he stayed healthy those three years that he gave him another three year 133 million dollar contract why just now wait and tell us that you offered him 200 million like yeah i honestly think that the ravens are trying to do right by lamar uh if you if you listen to uh well john harbaugh specifically over and over he has said we want lamar to be our quarterback we're not interested in moving on. They've changed their, I mean, John has changed his entire offense to fit Lamar's skill set. They're trying to bring in receivers to go with him, but they have, I mean, they've literally changed everything for his, for his skill set. And, and they Correct. went straight run and they're okay with that. John Harbaugh loves Lamar and believes in Lamar. And I think they didn't want to undercut Lamar by putting it out there that mm-hmm. they had, they had offered in this larger contract. Now there, I guess, I suppose you could say the leak that came out for, 
prior to Lamar himself indicating that he had asked for a trade, you might be able to trace that link back to the Ravens, but you might not. It might've come from an agent. It might've come from someone else, right? So we don't know who leaked that, but I don't think that the Ravens want this relationship to be cantankerous. Unfortunately for Lamar, he has had one idea and one idea only. And even now, Jalen Hurts, who just went to the Super Bowl and had a career year, he's willing to accept not only a a contract that's not fully guaranteed, but Corey, he's willing to accept less guaranteed money than both Russell, I'm not Russell Wilson, sorry, uh, than both Kyler Murray, as well as Deshaun Watson. He didn't ask Mm, to be, you know, have the most guaranteed money or a guaranteed contract because he recognizes that once this guaranteed money is done, if he plays really well, they'll give him another contract with more guaranteed money. Exactly. And, and and, And so for me, I think I wish that Lamar would recognize that it's actually, first of all, who's going to spend $150 million fully guaranteed? Like at some point, I, it just becomes ridiculous. It's more about respect or exactly, players point, who yeah. believe that if they're not offered the most or offered a fully guaranteed deal, that they're not getting respected. That Deshaun Watson contract was an aberration. It was not the rule. And Deshaun Watson didn't deserve that contract, but the Browns were desperate to <laughs> we get We could talk there. about that another day. He definitely did not right. deserve that. Exactly. And so while Jalen is more deserving, he takes less guaranteed money than two other QBs in the league that do not have better stats or a better resume than him. He gets a little more than Aaron Rodgers in terms of average annual value, though he's not won an MVP. So the team did well by him and they will give him another deal if he continues to play at the level that he is right now. And they certainly are set up to win. They've got a great roster. In the case of Lamar, they've brought in guys that they think can help. They're trying to beef up the roster. Ultimately, it to me, Corey, it comes down to Lamar's pride. I know, I know that this is painful. It's like tucking your tail between your legs and going back and you feel like, no way, I'm going to have better options, especially when he put himself out there and no one took the bait. No team took the bait. Isn't that what Baker Mayfield did last year? Remember, he said goodbye to the Browns before they even had Deshaun Watson. No teams took the bait. And and he had to, for three months, be humiliated. Maybe that's how Lamar feels. But you know what's worse than being humiliated and going back to a team that loves you is being humiliated and not having a job. And if he's Mm. really not going to sign that franchise tender, he's not going to play at all next year. And we know what happens when players sit out an entire year of their own choosing a lot of times the league moves on and while was that love on bell from didn't he do that yes. when he was with pittsburgh yes and i know that lamar is a quarterback so it's a little bit different but yeah you you don't you don't get that many chances in this league and absolutely he's gonna be he's gonna be expensive which means that there are you know there are teams that would rather start young and build with a, a quarterback in the draft so they don't have to commit as much money initially i want him to sign that franchise tender go back to the ravens maybe take the offer that they gave him have some job security I mean, you cannot blame the Ravens he's been injured the end of the last two seasons and their playoff hopes have been derailed you can't blame the Ravens and yet they're still willing to pay him a ton of money I actually am hoping that he wakes up comes to his senses and realizes this is still the best option for me and if I play as well as I believe I can I'll have another contract in a couple years no definitely definitely but I think you know for, for me I think people like Lamar may look at it from a different perspective just simply because of how he's been handling it and two how many ACL surgeries has Odell Beckham Jr. had over the course of the last two and a half three years and they <laughs> give him with incentives basically almost 20 million if I'm Lamar Lamar's got to look at that like hold up like I ain't been that injured and you're going to give somebody that's had a, you know multiple serious injuries that amount of money but I, I have to 
agree, Lamar. Well, but it's with incentives, as you say. True. They're not guaranteed. Like the base, if, base if OBJ is 15. gets hurt tomorrow. Yeah, base is 15. Yeah. yeah. If OBJ gets hurt tomorrow, they're not really on the hook for a whole lot of money. I mean, it's a little bit. It's a, maybe a risky, riskier than some veteran free agent deals, but I don't think it's that risky. I think in the case of Lamar, injury should be a major concern for him, right? Like if you want, if you want to have some guarantee that you're going to get paid regardless, then sign the deal and play through it. Um, yeah, I just, I understand why. I get why yeah. he's looking around and thinking, hey, this isn't fair. But at the same time, life is not fair, number one. Number two, you wouldn't have to start over. You're with a team that loves you. Number three, your team is willing to put up with what you, with you putting them on blast the last couple of, of Basically months. did, the, yeah. A lot of people right. are negating that. He yeah, really did and the, blast. yeah, and the fact that you refused to go with them to the to their playoff game, which still blows me away. Mm. You weren't there for your teammates when they needed you. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things that I would say about Lamar's behavior. He needs to grow up, and yet the team is still willing to take him and is still believing that he's the best option for them. I hope that he wakes up too and they find some kind of common ground. Yeah, it's I mean, on average, it's, so it's what three years, 133 million, fully guaranteed. It's what over 42, 43 million, yeah. maybe 44 a year. About- Ouch. That's more. That's about the same amount of money that Josh Allen makes, for heaven's sake. Exactly. Yeah. That's that. Wow. That's a, that's a good. That's that's a good thing to say. So I want to get a little personal again before we get back into uh, and a couple more sports questions. Mm-hmm. I know you recently, unfortunately, lost somebody that was near and dear to you. And then um, mm-hmm. when you talk when you talked about that, it made me think about when I lost my grandma. Um, I lost my grandma when I was I want to say twenty two, and then uh, two weeks later I I wasn't right, and then two weeks later um, I had a near death car wreck where I broke oh. my neck. And oh had to wear a neck brace eight months straight, oh. you know, seven days a week. Um, being a person in your shoes and the platforms that you're on, how are you able to handle something like that and still continue your day to day job? Because people don't realize like that stuff really affects you. It it does. Uh, I I have found. Now, the first couple of days after Grammy was was gone, I had a yeah. hard time working. But I did find, and I don't know how this happens, Corey, but I did find that there was a solace and a distraction and a, a relief in working just because it's muscle memory. And I've been uh-huh. doing it for so long. And for a few hours, my brain, my heart were able to turn off a little bit. And I, well, not my brain, but my heart was able to tune off or tune out a little bit. And I was able to focus on something that had nothing to do with Grammy. Now, what I have those moments moments where I thought of her, I, I, I kept thinking that I was, it was almost a, this experience where I was detached, like out of body, which it, I don't mean to For say sure. that, like actually an existential experience. But you're not wrong though. That, I couldn't, it was weird because I couldn't figure out how I could be laughing on the radio. And yet my heart was so broken, but that's, you hear that from athletes too, right? They, they go back to work because that's what they know, even mm-hmm. after they've suffered some incredible loss. And I felt that way that for at least a few hours, I, at least my, my, my heart was otherwise engaged. And so I was able to, to do the work thing, but it took me six, seven months before I felt like me again. It took me, Oh, I, I mean, I just to laugh and to, to feel joy. It took a couple of months. Um, there, there was so much grief there because I loved her so much. She was 100 years old, but she had such an incredible impact on my life. She was my favorite superhero. I learned so much from her and I'm so grateful for all the time I had with her. I still miss her dearly. We, we just got through her, her, 
her birthday and and it's actually the day before mine uh and so i was i was very reflective and melancholy on that day yeah. and, and i just got back from a trip to arizona where i spent time with two of her children my aunt and my uncle and that helped a lot too but yes the i think the hole in your heart is never fully filled by anything else when you lose uh someone that you love so much uh, i was reminded during that time of grieving that the price of great love is great grief and while i wouldn't change it i'm that's, one of those people that loves true. with that's my whole heart yeah i i wouldn't change it because of how precious she was to me and how much i loved her but certainly when i lost her it it was one of the most other than a couple of other family members i've lost it was one of the most painful experiences of my life i i could only imagine um how does amy lawrence want to be remembered when her time's done on earth <laughs> That's funny. Let's hope it's not anytime soon. Uh, I want to be remembered as a woman who loved unconditionally, who was committed to her faith and, and my relationship with Jesus, who not only brought joy, but also brought laughter conversation, uh, friendship. I want to be known as, and since I will be getting married sometime in the next year, I want to- Oh, be really? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's breaking news, which by the way, do not put that on social media, Corey, or we'll never speak again. <laughs> it's not it's not your news to share, so you have to wait till I get to share it. <laughs> I got you. Congrats. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I want to be known as a, a, a wife, a daughter, a granddaughter, a sister, an auntie. Uh, I want to be known as a radio host and a professional who put my whole heart into it, who is passionate about all of those, not just responsibilities, but blessings. And uh -huh. yeah, and I want I want to be known as, as someone who uh, who never held back, I guess, because yeah. I feel as though this entire, my entire career and really who I am as a person is about heart, soul, blood, sweat, tears, everything I've got, I'm all in. And the blessings for that reason are so immense. I'm so grateful for the life that I've been given and the blessings that God has given me. But I want to share those with other people too. Even with my listeners, it's been more heightened since the pandemic, but rather than just talk about sports and tell people what I know, what my show is really about is making a connection with people. I want to yeah. connect with people. And I found that that does happen over the radio as you build a relationship with people, uh, then people start to trust you and you can get off the beaten path a little bit and they'll listen to you and they'll connect with you and they'll relate to you about topics that have zero to do with the latest score or the latest playoff series. Exactly, yeah. For sure. Yes. I'm I'm glad you um I'm glad you said that. That's 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 awesome. So since you said that, again, congratulations. That's amazing. <laughs> All right, no, I mean, it really is it's our I've, secret, uh, Corey. <laughs> I won't put it out on social media, but I'll leave it as it is. You ain't got worried oh, about no, that. I don't expect you to take it out of the podcast. I'm just saying so nah, you ain't got don't be sharing it on social. <laughs> right. Could you imagine me me uh get, send you a tweet and say congratulations? No, no, I could not. So please don't. It's my own fault because I said that, but I'm trying Trusting you, Corey. Nah, you're good. You know, uh, speaking of that, you know, I get often asked why I do what I do the way that I do. You know, um, if individuals as yourself and Patrick Mahomes' agent are willing to have a conversation with me, I'm doing something right. Because oh, there you go. He, yourself and his agent could easily have said no. Oh, well, why would well, we do I, that? I'm just saying, though, because individuals like you and his agent probably get asked by every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there, hey, <laughs> you know, I'm, be I'm being serious here. Y'all probably get asked a lot, more than you want to. You know, you what? didn't have to say yes, and you, but you said you didn't say no. So that's lets me know I'm doing something right. <laughs> well, you're welcome. I'm glad to help. I, I tried to uh, view things 
things that way from a different perspective. Yes. If you weren't doing radio, is there anything that you know you would be doing? Well, I wouldn't be as fulfilled because this is my calling, but I have started teaching more and I have been a mentor. Of course, those things both revolve around being a radio host and recognizing that after 20 plus years in this business, I'm an expert at at how it goes. Uh, But no, I mean, the, the love for teaching is only a more recent phenomenon. My mom's a teacher and I was never interested, but I started teaching <laughs> elementary school. Yeah, sh- I used to laugh at her. I'm like, I would never do this. No. Uh, but uh, over the last like eight, eight nine years, I've started teaching uh, elementary school kids. Now it's specific to fourth and fifth graders at my church. And so that challenges me. If you can explain something to a fourth and fifth grader, well, then you can explain it well on the radio. But it really does challenge you to break down and, and not, you know, not use, not use words that people don't understand. Or it, it really does. Uh, it really does force me to use my words, to use my descriptions, to speak more slowly, to communicate in a way that kiddos can understand me. And so that's been a really good practice. But now that I'm teaching a course at Syracuse that I designed called The Art of Radio, I hope that that takes off and I could see myself working more as a professor and a teacher and a mentor. Now, I'm not giving up radio. I love radio far more than I love sports. Yeah. And so I could easily do a radio show about something else. And, and I would miss sports maybe, but I've been doing this for 25 years. So maybe not. Um, but I, I would also <laughs> say probably coaching. I played yeah. basketball. At, I co- I played basketball in college, high school, obviously. I also have refed it. I've scored it. I've done play-by-play for it. I've done mm-hmm. color, radio, TV. So basketball is a sport I know in and out. So I could see coaching. Um, I definitely have not given up on my play-by-play dreams. So that that's still the, the pie-in-the-sky dream that I continue to pursue. What advice do you have out there for individuals like me that are continuously never giving up or for individuals like me? Because, you know, I definitely have, have my moments where mm-hmm. I question myself. We all like do. a lot of people probably do that won't admit it, but I'm perfectly okay with admitting that I question myself from time to time. Like, why am I still doing this? Like, what advice do you have for people out there? And what, why should people not give up on what they're passionate about? Well, if this is your calling and you are passionate about it, then you will succeed. Uh, it may not look the way that that you thought it would. It may not be along the, the path that you expected. Mine certainly was not. I thought I was ready long before I had my big break. Turns yeah. out I wasn't. And God only gave it to me when I was ready and could handle it. And, and I'm referring specifically to the pressures of being a five night a week network host, but also the pressures of social media. When it when I first stumbled into a chat room where people were criticizing me, I cried. I wasn't ready for the social media aspect of things. It's so different now because now I couldn't care less. Um, But then I wasn't ready and I wasn't ready for the spotlight and I didn't know exactly who I wanted to be as a host. So uh, the number one thing I would say is don't give up because if you have the passion, if you know what this, this is what you're called to do, then you will break through. But, but also find your passion, figure out exactly what it is you want to do. Continue to practice, continue to get reps, continue to believe that this is all training for something to come. This is preparation for something to come. You're not just working for now, you're working for the future. Uh, And I tell people too, and I wish I had known this when I was younger, especially considering that I was a female uh, going through what I was in our industry. Great piece of advice I try to pass along is choose your battles. Not every Mm. battle is worth fighting. And there are going to be a lot of people who offer resistance. There are going to be a lot of people who, who think they are better than you or can fight you for the job. 
job or they're going to be people who criticize you or attempt to derail you or undermine you. Be sure that the battle that you're staring at is, is a mountain and not a molehill, number one. Number two, be sure that it's worth your time and your energy because yeah. it as fast as our lives move and our industry moves, as fast as social media moves, many off, many, many off or many times those battles often turn into nothing and they disappear right in front of your eyes. So choose your battles. I wish I had known that because I was ready for a fight at every turn when I was younger. And I probably, <laughs> I wouldn't say I ruined relationships, but there were maybe relationships that I could have been in that, or that would have been more prosperous or more, you know, more long-term. And even in my relationships with men who were outside of work, I, I couldn't put my dukes down for a long time. It was hard for me to determine when I could trust a man. And, and so I wish I had known that not every battle is worth fighting because I spent 20 years fighting everything and everyone because right. I felt like I had to fight, scratch, claw to get any any little progress in this industry. I had to fight for it. And maybe that was true then. It's not true anymore. And, uh-huh. and so I try to tell people that not every battle is worth fighting. So choose them wisely. Definitely. So I, I want to ask you two more things before we end this. How thankful are you of your soon to be husband? Because a lot of times, <laughs> no, I, I'm being serious. I, and I, I just use that as an example. And I say this, saying this and following people don't realize like how much time like we have to give to a yes. profession like this. It's all consuming. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like uh, that, that man's got to be a pretty strong individual to know how much <laughs> time you got to give. Well, okay. It, there is time involved, but I do carve out personal time. That's another piece of advice I give to young broadcasters. Correct. It Yes. It takes a lot of your time, but you know what? If you never take a break, you will hate it before long. If you never take a break, you'll be burned out. If you never take a break, your physical health and your mental and emotional health will suffer. It's no different than anything else. You have to get away from it. So for instance, I do not do work on Friday night. I very rarely do work on Saturdays. Uh, so, so this is a rare occasion where well, thank you. Uh, we appreciate was- that. You're welcome. This was the time that it would work, but I do. And Sunday mornings are for church. Uh, I carve out time for myself as much as I possibly can. And I, I refuse to give up on that time. I make myself be social. I spend time with family when I'm on vacation, Corey, which I just was last week. I do not check social. I do not look (laughs) at the headlines. I don't care what is happening. I am not even remotely interested in it. And I don't care if, if it's the, I mean, I, I take my vacations at specific times, but sports never stop. There will be news when I get back, or I'll talk about it when I get back. Nothing is so important that I can't spend time with family and friends and get away to reset and recharge. Every time I do, when I check out, I come back more refreshed and reminded of why I love my job so much. Um, so yes, the man that I will marry is, well, he's the first man I've met in my life who is proud of me, who is, mm. who is in awe of my success and my accomplishments, who enjoys listening to me, though, funny enough, doesn't care about what I say about sports, just listens to the personal <laughs> stuff. Cause he thinks that's funny. Uh, he, he, he is really, he's complimentary of me and he's not intimidated by it. And he does, he's, he doesn't want, he doesn't need to be more successful than me for this relationship to work. And I've never run into a man before now who was proud of me. One that I was dating, it all turned into a competition or intimidation or, Hey, I'm a guy. So I have to know more about sports. You know what? We love football. We both love football. So we'll, we'll share that in the falls In the fall, excuse me. Otherwise yeah. he couldn't care less and he's okay with me being, knowing more 
than he does because it's not what he's into. He's into hunting and fishing and he's into he's into <laughs> other things. And, and I'm yeah. happy for him too. So yes, it does require a lot of time, but I always carve out the time that I need for family and friends. And once I learned that lesson, I became a lot happier in this career. Amy, um, thank you for your time. I don't want to keep you too much anymore. Um, hopefully you enjoyed yourself as much as I did having this good conversation. I can't believe the, the news that you got out of me. Remember, it's our little secret, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that means I must be doing something right. <laughs> no, it just means I have a big mouth. <laughs> Well, I didn't want to say that. I mean, I'm I may or may not agree, but you know, that's oh, your no, order. I definitely have a big mouth, but it's my money maker, so I'm okay with it. Right, right. Um, <laughs> I look forward to chatting with you again soon, uh, Miss Lawrence, and uh, we'll be staying in touch. Thank you for your time. You're welcome, Corey. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. Take care.